doing this live and so trusting um, internet to work and, and all of these kind of things. So thanks for hanging with us. But as we start off this year, we wanted to start it off as close to normal as we could, which at least means you get my live mistakes without any editing or retries or anything. As we begin this series on Romans 12, 1 and 2 that will be in for this, uh, for this month, I want to pray for us. And I want to pray for us as we kind of let go of 2020 like we, we did last week and as we get ready to inherit what God has for us in 2021. And in particular, I realize that some of us really made a lot of 2020. We were able to start businesses or really hit some goals and achieve some things. And if that's you, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's fantastic. I celebrate with you. Our church celebrates with you. Uh, we want to know it and, and have joy with you. And for others of us, we simply survived. We aren't even on a bed yet today. And we don't know how we made it. And if that's you, I want you to know that like God's peace and mercy for you as well. Because this was a lot co collectively, but this was also a lot for individuals. As I know that lives were lost and loved ones were lost and jobs were lost and just anxiety had a field day and all of this. So we're going to hold all of this together, pray, and then we'll, we'll start this sermon together. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we come as we are. And we thank you that you are good enough to receive us. For those who have seen real victory in 2020, we praise you for it. We thank you for the ground that they gained. We thank for the clarity and the courage that they had. For those of us who are struggling to make it through another day, we thank you for your mercy. And we plead for relief for our friends, that they would feel a restoration of joy and of peace. For those of us in the middle, we pray that you would continue to be Emmanuel, that you would be with us, that we would sense you near, and that we would experience you in new ways. Now, thanks for this new start with a year, even though years are kind of funny and dates are just dates, but at least it reminds us that we can have new mornings every morning with you. And that includes today. To open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might sense you and know you. In your name, amen. Well, this is the time of year where a lot of people set goals and resolutions, right? I, I seem to run with people who all have, we all have the same goals every year. Like we're going to eat better. Let's take that one as an example. And so we get to this year and we say, well, I'm going to eat well this year. I'm going to take care of myself. And then we got to Friday and we're like, oh, it's really hard to start that on, on you know, New Year's Day. So New Year's Day, you know, I'll start tomorrow. 
I'm going to give myself New Year's Day as a holiday. I'm going to start the year with a cheat day. And then we have our cheat day on New Year's Day. And then we wake up the next day and we're like, okay, it's Saturday. It's really tough to start this resolution on a weekend. I mean, weekends are kind of like, well, they're kind of like cheat days. They're kind of when we get to re reset and restart. So I'll start on Monday and we end up starting, well, on January 4th, right? And that's often, not all the time, but that's often how resolutions work for many of us. Because resolutions usually come from this place of, I am going to improve myself. I'm going to do it. I can do it. And though some of us have that willpower to actually be able to do that, many of us don't. And so we're going to talk about something a little bit different this month. We're going to talk about something that is actually pretty Paul-influenced, influenced by Scripture. And this is where we're going to talk about us becoming us. We are going to become us. And this transformation from who we settled to be to who it is that we were created to be. So in January, we're going to look at two verses in Romans 12. Romans 12, 1, Romans 12, 2. And we're going to spend some time studying this together. And then we're going to go through the book of Galatians together and read an entire book by Paul be able to learn a little bit more about how to study scripture, how to read Paul's letters, and what he had to say to the church in Galatia and how that matters to us. And so we're going to begin with Romans 12, 1 and 2. Today I'm going to read out of the New Revised Standard Version, and it reads like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're just going to go line by line with the first part of Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So, First, I appeal to you. Now, when I read that, I think Paul is appealing to me because that's how I kind of learned to read the Bible. But I'm not Roman and I'm not at the time of Paul. And that isn't even the right you here. So for us to be able to look at this, we want to look at what Paul is actually saying to the first hearers and then let God use that however God wants to use that in our lives. So the you here is a plural one. It's, it's not a y'all, it's an all y'all. We've seen this before where Paul says you, but it's, it's the plural you. It's to the entire community. So he says, I appeal to all y'all, to everybody, to this entire church and community. And this matters because we can gain personal insight, definitely from this verse. The Holy Spirit can speak to us personally, but its first intention was for community. And so as we read this, we realize that Paul is writing to an entire church, to entire people. The you is plural. And then there's this next word, right? Therefore. And we all know, Jamel would love to tell us that therefore is there to remind you why that there is for, what that there is for, or something like that. He said it all the time. 
The therefore is to remind us of everything that came before. And so if you don't have something that you're reading in this month and and you want to, you want to have a bit of a reading plan, maybe go through Romans 1 through 11, because that is the impact of everything that we're now reading. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, is actually practical implications and application of everything that came before. So it's like 1 through 11 is, is more theology and is more a big picture. And then we get to this real practical application of what that means in 12, 1 and 2. I don't at all want us to feel like the first 11 chapters don't matter. I just feel like, okay, as God leads out this year, we're going to start with this practical implication. And then, then Paul says these words, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Above all else, because of Jesus, the church in Rome were brothers and sisters. And above all else, one church in Louisville, because of Jesus, well, we're brothers and we're sisters. If there's something that I want to start out this year saying is scripture is crystal clear that we are brothers and we are sisters. Now just think about how that was, really I don't have a better word, but, but nearly attacked in 2020. I mean, 2020 alienated us in, in many ways. In Romans 12, 2, we see that the patterns of the world, but a, a better translation we'll look at in a couple weeks, is the patterns of this age that we live in. They, they, this age, this time, 2020, teaches us to put a spotlight on someone, to separate, to point shame at one another, to really isolate and say that I'm, I'm not to be associated with that person. And yet scripture, which is timeless, which is above everything, says that because of Jesus, we are sisters and we are brothers. Now, how were we alienated in 2020? Well, it happened because we needed a social distance, right? We needed to, to shelter in place at times. When we saw each other, we've stayed at, li- at least six feet apart, and we've had masks on. I mean, it's been nine months since we've all been gathered. That's a long, long time. And if we're going to be real honest about this, this specific church, one church, we also don't even have our building, right? I mean, that alienates. That has a way. As I picture church, I don't know what to picture in my mind. I, I picture you, but but the backdrop of the building we once knew, well, that's that's no longer there. And as I heard from people, as as we picture each other, we're not even really sure who all the each other will be when we're back together. That can lead to even more alienation. That can lead to even more feeling alone and individual. And then there's this pattern of this age that honestly I'm really concerned by this cancel culture that we have. This way that we really latch onto words that one another has said as a way of saying that I can't associate with you anymore. And I get that there's reason for it. 
And I get that there's a lot that's being stirred right now, but this is a, a very opposite way to live than what the Bible calls us into. You see, it causes us to only live more hidden and less honest. Now, the opposite of that is a clear call to live as brothers and sisters, not at the expense of the truth, but instead because of the truth, because of the truth of Jesus and the implications of it in every specific individual area of our life, we are to live by truth. In these two verses, we see the truth of the impact of it on our bodies, on our minds, that everything is is laid bare before Jesus, and Jesus informs everything in us. But we have the confidence that because of Jesus, because he has begun this work in us, that we are sisters and we are brothers. I know it's not everybody's story, but One of the places that I have the most privilege in my life is with my brother and my sister. I don't know if you know Brian and Heather, but they're incredible. My brother and sister are some of my favorite people in the world. And if you line the three of us up, we have a blast together, but we're not alike. We're different in tons of different ways. Our interests are different. Our personalities are different, all of this, but we belong together. And when I'm in those situations where where life is hard, those are the people I want to call because that's my sister. That's my brother. I know that they've got my back. I know that they're with me. Now, they don't make it easy on me. If I've done something, they'll call me on it. They help point out truth within me. They don't hide the impact of relationships and, and, and what I've done. And yet, I know that more than anything that I do or say, I can trust on that relationship that we're together. And then we can face whatever truth comes. Even in difficult things, like some of y'all know what this is like. When I moved, when we left Wisconsin and my family's all in Minnesota and, and moved all the way down here, a world away, they've only been more my sister and brother. And when a pandemic hit and we couldn't even imagine seeing each other in ways that we used to be able to. Found new ways to communicate. New ways to show that we're in each other's corners. And I know that that's a privilege that I carry, that my siblings are that way. I know that some of us have needed to separate a little bit from our biological siblings because of pain and trauma and actual offense. I get that. But I think this image of sister and brother is powerful. And as we go through scripture over and over again, we see that because of Jesus, one of the first things that we gain is family. One of the first things we gain are people to be with. And this this age that we're living in, one of the first things that it teaches us to do is to put up walls and barriers. To put up things that divide us, to separate us. And scripture comes and faces that head on and says, no, because of Christ, therefore, brothers and sisters. Paul says we do this by relying on the mercy of God. And that's true, right? 
We rely on God's mercy for, for our own breath, but definitely for getting together with one another. We all know this when you gather family together, you need God's mercy. Because sometimes we have a way of getting on each other's nerve, but it doesn't change the fact that we're sisters and we're brothers. Now, in case we're somebody who thinks that Paul doesn't understand our current understanding of what this would look like and what this means within the church, if he doesn't, maybe Paul doesn't understand the complexity of being brothers and sisters in our society. Let me point out real quick what the Church of Rome was like. See, the Church of Rome was started and kind of came out of people who came out of the Jewish faith. And they were politically uh, in a disadvantage in Rome. They were the lowest class. And yet religiously, they had some advantage. They, they knew the scriptures. They knew Yahweh. And so they could imagine Jesus being Jesus. And they had the advantage of teaching other people there. But then the, the Jews were kicked out of Rome. They were sent elsewhere. And then they got to return again, but return without, you know, without privilege, without citizenship, without this place that they once had within the church. And so they come back, they've been replaced. The church still functioned without them. And so they're, they're still politically at a disadvantage, but religiously they're on, well, they're on unsettled soil. And then there was the Roman Gentile believers. Politically, they had all the advantage, but spiritually they, they were new. They weren't new to spirituality, but they were new to Jesus and new to Judaism, new to the promises of God and all of this. And so they were trying to learn and, and catch up. And within this church, there was divisions of class and division of access to, to political means and religious means. And there was divisions of ethnicity. And into this church, Paul writes that their identity is clear. They're brothers and they are sisters. They're one. I can't help but think back to that day in January 2016. We first opened our doors and declared to the city that this work that we had been doing semi-quietly in different spaces, trying to get to know one another, this dream of two churches forming something new, well, we open the doors to one church with the idea of more than anything, we're going to be a witness to the world that we are one. Not because we all vote exactly the same or we all went to the same schools or have the same hobbies or think the same way. None of those things. Not, not that we're the same class or ethnicity not, not any of those things, but that we are one because that's what Jesus makes us. Because that's who Jesus declared us to be. And so this year at some point, we're going to gather together again physically. And we're going to regather as one. And I don't mean just physically as one. I mean, as we regather our work of worship beforehand is to do all the mental and emotional, systemic and spiritual work to make it happen that we could be one. 
that we could regather as brothers and sisters, that we could embrace one another with God's mercy. You see, our transformation is to become into the people that the Almighty has called us to be, that we would be one. Not canceling and isolating, but transformed. Not standing alone, but standing as sisters and brothers. See, we're going to continue talking about this transformation that God is going to do within us over these next few weeks. And I believe that this is not just two verses that we're going to know by heart or that some simple little shift in our mind where we can say something clever. I believe that this is what God wants to birth within us. One church, this is not about me. This is not about your staff, your leadership team. This is about God is birthing us to come back together, realize what we miss, long for what we miss, and commit to a deeper sense of being one. Not one around me, not even just one for this city, but one because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I want to pray this over us. I want to ask you to pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you for your death and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power is not present within us. The power comes through your word as we read it and are changed by it. We ask that you would, that you would use the power of your Holy Spirit on behalf of us to tear down barriers that have divided us, to tear down things that separate us or distract us, to fight against this age that we're now in, to make us sisters and brothers, to make us one. I know that as you make your church one, that people will be drawn to you like salt and light. And so I thank you that you've begun. In your precious and powerful name, Amen.